Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I had no money and I would give my money. I would make $100 from a gig and I would give $50 of it to a homeless person. And it was that act of faith that money is an energy. And that flipped my mindset. It still took years to make millions of dollars, but I haven't changed my mindset. I still believe that money works the same way. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. The poet and writer Victor Hugo once said, Music expresses that which cannot be put into words and that which cannot remain silent. And Taylor Swift said, People haven't always been there for me, but music always has. My guest today is extremely thoughtful and has so much to say with her words and her songs. And it's always a joy to have her on the pod. Rachel Platten is an Emmy Award winner, author, and multi-platinum selling recording artist. And you'll know her best from her powerful hit songs such as Fight Song, Stand By You, and many more. She topped countless radio and iTunes charts worldwide and has even written a children's book based on her song, You Belong. She released a new song called Soldiers, which is truly inspiring and everyone should go check it out after this podcast. Rachel is a friend and she's always willing to open up and talk about some of her harsh realities that she faces as a mom, as a wife, and as a performer while also giving gratitude for the opportunity, joy, and success that she sees in her everyday life. This is a very powerful interview, especially for anyone who struggles with panic attacks and anxiety, who's a mother dealing with postpartum depression while staying true to yourself, or anyone that wants to take a deep dive in their own self-worth and identity. And in this episode, we discuss how she's dealt with her dark side over the years what she's most ashamed of, Rachel's journey from playing for 10 people to 60,000 people in a matter of three months, how she overcame the moments when her dreams fell apart. She also talks about the constant struggle with being a mother and pursuing her dreams as a performer and how she deals with this, the dangers of gaining fame and developing an inflated ego, the reality of postpartum depression, anxiety, and so much more. This will truly inspire you. And I believe it'll inspire so many people that you know. So if you're enjoying this, make sure to share this link with a friend who needs to hear it. lewishouse.com slash 1028, or just copy and paste the link on your podcast app that you're listening to. And a quick reminder, click the subscribe button over on Apple Podcasts right now to be notified of the School of Greatness in the future. And leave us a rating and review as well if you enjoy this episode. And in just a moment, the one and only Rachel Platten. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited for my good friend, Rachel Platten, in the house. Good to see you. Hi. I miss you. I miss you, too. I miss you a lot. I miss you a lot. We both have very busy lives. You're a, a mom. You've got music coming out all the time. You've got books coming out now. 
and we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's like there's just a lot of things happening. Yeah. And I wish we could see each other more, but I'm so glad <laughs> that I have this podcast that gives an excuse for you to come on and talk about so many things. One of the things that aspires, inspires me the most about you, this is incredible, is that you have been committed to your craft for so long. And it took you, I think, 13 years, roughly, until you actually made really anything with yeah. it. It took so long. I mean, you were running around on trains and buses and vans, sleeping in vans, trying to like just get three people to watch you sing yeah. and perform for years. Yeah. And then you almost give up. You write a song. It doesn't take off right away, but then it starts to take off. And now you really start to hit your group. This is what inspires me about you, guys like Andy Grammer as well, who just like yeah. show up for the art and the love of it. Yeah. When, yes. did, you, when did you realize that? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> I think it's really hard for artists or anyone who's creative who has a dream or has a passion. It's really hard for people to make a living out of it. Oh. It's easier than ever with the tools that are available, but it's hard to get people to like buy into your creative dream, right? Yes. And you experienced this for a long time. Yeah. And I think you were 23 when you started doing... Uh, performing in front of hospitals, right? Like going and just like doing it for the love of it. Yes. To bring joy to kids. And then you were touring for years, but no one was showing up, right? It was just yeah. like... Like, no, like 10, 10, 15 people, maybe. <laughs> I was begging people on the street, literally, to come. Begging them, like, yeah. please come in. Yeah, yeah, I'd, like, go to a city and be like, okay, I'm going to do a tour. And then we'd show up at the city and, like, pray that there was an audience at all. And sometimes just, like, stand outside the venue with flyers and be like, you want to come see some music? We, if we collected, like, 10 or 15 people, we'd feel really good about it. When was the moment where you were like, wow, I made it? Or do you feel like mm. you've made it yet? Oh man, I've had like different moments of it where I've felt it and then it's fleeting. And I think that's the thing with basing your happiness on something external in mm -hmm. general is that it never lasts. So I've had moments where that like hunger and need to be approved of and loved in like a mass level is kind of reached, but I'm only rest. I only rest there very quickly before I'm like, okay, well then, who else can I compare myself to? Now, mm. what else can I reach? What else can I do? That wasn't enough. So I think, if if I'm being super honest, I don't think that I have felt like I've reached my full potential yet sure. in what I'm supposed to be doing in this world with my music. But there have definitely been moments where I, probably, if I was being kinder to myself, I would be like, Rachel, are you kidding? You definitely made it when you did X right. or when you. What was that first moment where you're like, wow, is this really happening to my life? Was it singing in front of a, a big stadium? Was it your song being played on a radio a bunch of times? Was it like, oh. It's a um, good question. Was it, it hit the charts at a certain number? Where Maybe it, when it was number one on iTunes. I think I hit that like, and that was so unlikely for you know, happening. I was like 31 at the time or 32 and I had been trying, as you said, for so many years and it seemed like such a ridiculous thing to, to try for. Like, why would I get a number one? How would that happen? Number one on iTunes. Yeah, I mean, that was this thing back then, too. Like, five years That's ago, huge. Spotify wasn't the thing. It was like, you know, and, and I had kept visualizing. I think we talked about it this last time that I was on, but I kept visualizing these certain things happening. And as we all know and have heard lots of times through your guests, obviously that is real and that can happen mm -hmm. and manifesting is real. And we can talk more about, like, the flip side of that later, but... Um, I was manifesting these very specific things. And when those started happening one by one, I think I was like, oh, okay, I just received my plaque for it being platinum. I'm number one. Um, 
I think maybe singing, I think singing with Taylor in her, at her stadium shows was like the real thing that I was like, okay, <laughs> this right. is 60,000 people. They know, they know the song. They're singing, They're singing song. the song. They're doing the thing that I visualized in my dream wow. of like seeing their fists in the air. And no, this is the moment that I really manifested. When was that the first time you were on stage with, with Taylor or at her stadium tour? Um, it was, um, oh, I don't know, it was five years ago maybe? Okay. It was, I think five years ago. 2015? Yeah, I think 2015 in the summer, like June-ish maybe. Wow. So what, how did that even come about? Did she call you? Did her manager say, hey, we want you to perform? Was this like a... I haven't talked about this in so long. <laughs> um, I, I used to be asked about only this for so long. Really? Um, I think it was, let's see, Fight Song was already climbing i think it was number 10 or something so it was happening it was on the radio yeah and it was like approaching number one on the radio and and it was th that all happened within like three months of it um first getting played on the radio so i went from like total obscurity no one caring no one knowing to like two months later playing on stage at the radio disney awards and winning awards and then it like then a month after that singing with taylor so i think That's the thing crazy. that no one really or that i don't talk about very often or explain is that everything happened so quickly that it was really unnerving and ungrounding and confusing and um and we can go into a lot of that too like but it was a very bizarre change of life from like playing in my van to 10 people 15 people to 60,000 people within three months was so, so what was the most you'd played in front of i guess on a regular basis before like six actually i'd opened for andy on his tour uh -huh. um andy grammar a couple years pre yeah a couple years prior i had a moment before Fight Song, that probably only hardcore fans might know, it's called, the song called A Thousand Ships was on the radio. And it was climbing, climbing. And um, this was what led to me writing Fight Song was the pain of what happened. I had this, so I had been working for, I think it was like nine years at this point, touring independently. And then I went to Sweden and I took my little singer-songwriter thing that I had been doing in New York City. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to tour over there. No, no, no. Someone sent me, a manager had a vision for me and he was like, let's take whatever this Regina Spector-ish sound is, let's send you to Stockholm, like the epicenter of pop at the time, and let's combine that like quirky indie singer-songwriter thing with actual like pop delicious goodness. Mm. And so I went to Stockholm and like took that sound and I had this producer there that turned it into a much more like, um, yeah, just marketable like worldwide thing. Sure. And so I came back with these songs and um, uh, an indie label was like, yeah, no, this is great, let's put this out. And I was like, oh, great. And I had an indie's publicist. And then all of a sudden, one of them was like, let's do a radio campaign. That was beyond. That was so much bigger than anything I'd ever heard of. So this this little song, I was like, you know, the little engine that could just started climbing out of nowhere. This, this song called A Thousand Ships was climbing and climbing. And all of a sudden, major labels started paying attention. And mm. we're like, how is this artist beating our artists that we've paid millions of dollars for? Right. Or hundreds of thousands, I don't know. And um, so it's getting attention. I got to open for Andy because of that song. And... So that audience was around like 600 okay. to 1,000 maybe. So that that's had been the biggest. It's a big jump from like 30 to 30. To, yeah, that was a big maybe. deal playing to his 600 or 700 people. And um, and then quickly to wrap that story up, basically like that song was climbing and I had a major label be like, no, we want to sign you based on this. This is very exciting. And it went really far. They made an offer. And that was my hugest dream at that point was like being noticed by a label and and 
in my mind, that was going to justify that I was like a real artist. Mm -hmm. And so I had a record label offer, and then the song started falling. Mm. And so my manager came over one day, and he's like, the offer's gone. They took the offer away? It's all away. gone. Shut yeah, up. It's all gone. And that, the pain of getting so close and being able to taste this dream that I had worked so hard for, and then it completely going away, and then that manager left, and it was like everything left. Everything fell away, and I had to really start from scratch and come to terms with like, why am I doing this? And that was where the musicians on call and like singing in hospitals really carried me through. Was that was always my why? Mm. So that's wow. then I started writing. So you almost like thought to yourself like, okay, should I keep doing this? Yeah. The offer is gone. The dream that yeah. I had is gone. The it's manager gone. left. Yeah. They don't care anymore. Yeah. People don't listen to my music on the radio anymore. Right. So why am I doing this? Why am I this? doing this? Yeah. So you went back into the hospitals and kept doing, you know. And, and really what I went back to was writing, uh, was really digging into, I had a very smart friend tell me that, that then became my manager for a little while that told me, um, stop trying to warm yourself at everyone else's fires, go build your own. And the way that you do that is through songwriting. Hmm. So I realized, he, he kind of helped me understand, you're not really writing. Like you're writing one song a month and then deciding that song is good enough. That's not what these other artists are doing. Go write a thousand songs and you'll get one incredible one. Go build your fire. So I wrote like a thousand songs. <laughs> oh, it took five years, oh, my four gosh. years. And then I finally wrote Bite Song. Wow. And, that, and then you know the rest of the story. So when you, when you launched the song, did you launch it independent? Did you launch it with a... Yeah, I put it out. Like completely iTunes, by myself. My, like, oh, my manager didn't even really care at that point or believe in it. He was kind of like, all right. So I made a lyric video for it with someone I paid a couple hundred dollars for and I put it out. And really not much happened. For like a while, right? Almost for a year? For like a year, yeah. So you put out this thing, but you had a vision that this was like a hit. When you're yeah. writing it, when you published it, when you shared it in the world, you're like, this. you knew it was a hit, right? You felt it was. I believed so much in it. I, I felt this. I felt this deeper purpose for it and for me. I felt like... This is meant to heal millions of people. Mm. I am meant to go, and this sounds really grandiose and kind of crazy because I had nothing going on and no reason to believe this, but I was like, I would look out. I had you know, this apartment with a beautiful view at that point and I would look out at the Hudson and I would just like see the moon over mm. the water and that was where the line, like a small boat on the ocean, it was originally like a small mm. boat on the Hudson. And I would look out at that water and be like, I have a bigger purpose. I know, I can feel it somewhere deep inside I could feel. So it doesn't really matter what is around me or what I'm seeing. Like I would, I would hold tight to that faith inside because it was bigger than me. But how do you stay motivated and excited when you launch it and it doesn't go anywhere for a year? Dude, I don't know. And how do honestly, you like? You put this dream no. out there, your heart on the, you know, uh, out in the world, and then yeah. it's like, okay, it's okay. And then, a, how do you sustain your energy for a year to stay positive and then it pops? It wasn't. A, it wasn't a sustained line of constant positivity. It took, it was dips. And honestly, I'm asking myself that same question now. <laughs> like, I really am, it's like funny, but I'm like, who was that girl and what did she believe in? How do I, how do I remember that tenacity and that level of faith mm. and that level of belief? Because I'm in a way back at a similar, not a similar place, but a similar emotional place. And, um, and I'm so glad you're asking me about it because maybe I can relearn the lesson. And I think it was, I think it was, um, I was doing so much work on myself. I was reading constantly things to fill my soul. I was meditating. Mm. I was journaling constantly. I was doing a lot of 
um, charity work. I was giving a lot. Mm. And I had people around me, I had community around me that um, that was maybe the biggest piece that maybe I'm missing right now is like, because we're all isolated right now, but I had amazing community around me of people reminding me, Rachel, stop. It doesn't matter what you're trying to go after. It matters what's here and now. It matters this Tuesday night that we're playing in this dive bar in New York City. That's what matters. Let's make these 10 people in the audience have the best night of their lives. Isn't that so true? It is so true. It's like, it's so true. be I, in the moment. When I launched my podcast almost eight years ago, I remember saying like, I just want one person to listen to this. And if I can impact that one person. you really mean it? I mean, I wanted millions to, yeah. to, to, to listen, but, but he, I was like, was the truth. if I can impact one person and get one person to listen to it first and change their life or impact them in some way, yes. then hopefully they'll share it with a friend. Yeah. And then the next episode will be two people. Yeah. And we'll see where it goes. But I was like, if I can just create something for one person to improve them, that was my mentality. It's still my mentality. Like when I'm interviewing you right now, mm -hmm. I think about who is the mom who just had a child a year ago, who's really struggling, who... Maybe they had a career, maybe they had a dream, but they're just going through a challenging time. Oh, what do they me, need to hear to help them? It makes me emotional because you're so right. It's all that really matters mm -hmm. is that one person that's affected and touched. And we let our egos yeah. get in the way and, and have all this fear like, oh, it needs to impact millions of people. No, it really, it doesn't. It's the same. Yeah. We're all connected. And who knows the butterfly effect of how yeah. that one person whose life is changed by hearing that we didn't give up or whatever. And, and maybe she's going to go treat her children differently that day. And maybe that, who knows the effect right. that's going to have. And, and, um, the fact that we need more is like, it's just, you know, it's challenging. Cause I always want more. I always, I always want, want more. I know. I I'm like writing more. a song. I was writing a song. I want more. I want more. I want. I'm going to get right back to this interview with Rachel Platten after I tell you what I'm wearing right now. Now, if you follow me on social media, you can tell how much I love basic tees and comfy joggers. I prefer to keep it simple, and I don't love the idea of changing my outfit multiple times a day. Thankfully, I was introduced to Viore. These clothes are so versatile and perfect for every activity throughout my day. Going to work, working out, yoga, lounging, you name it. Everything they offer is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. I've worn Viore through every type of workout, running, lifting, hiking. These clothes can handle every level of activity, yet they're so soft and so comfortable to lounge in, and they're super stylish that I even wear them during my interviews in the School of Greatness. I'm serious. Viore is an investment in your happiness like it has been for me. And guess what? They're offering our listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at vioriclothing.com slash greatness. That's V-U-O-R-I, clothing.com slash greatness. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to vioriclothing.com slash greatness and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. It's interesting that balance of like uh, being okay with where you're at uh -huh. and grateful for where you're at <laughs> and, striving for, more. and striving for more is a really tough dance. How have you been managing that as a mom? You had a tour, you've been talking about this openly where you mm. had postpartum depression, a lot of anxiety, stress, overwhelm. Yeah. I, I love your Instagram posts because they're so real because you'll say, for a week I'm all in as a mom, I'm mommed <laughs> up, right? Yeah. And then another week, and then my creative side is, is is not uh, fulfilled. And then the next week I'm all in as an artist, singing, creating, writing music, producing, 
and then I'm not feeling like I'm there as a mom the best way I could. How are you, how, what have you learned in the last year from touring to producing, writing, and being a mom about how you're going to move into the next year of motherhood and be <sighs> the creative artist that you want to with those dreams? I don't know. It's, it's a really tough, it, I'm, I'm glad you're asking because I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to find that balance. Mm -hmm. You know, today I feel a tug of guilt that just being here. I'm not there. Yeah. You know, I'm not with her. I didn't get to pick her up at preschool today. And I know her little face will be sad when she doesn't see mom there. And like, and yet I have felt not fulfilled artistically the past three weeks because we moved houses and I've been all in like with her. And, and so I, I've known that my, like, this is so good for my artist soul today to be here and I don't know. I don't know that moms ever figure that out. Like I would, maybe I can hear from moms <laughs> listening, like on advice. And I think it's compassion for yourself and like awareness around all of it, mm -hmm. you know, and just the, I think bringing awareness to it is the biggest thing of mm -hmm. just seeing it all like the John Zabbat can then like noticing, noticing, oh, there's guilt. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah. Oh, there's um, there's unwanted, there's unfulfilled passion still when I'm with her and there's, and that maybe that's okay. Yeah. What would you do differently going back, starting your last tour knowing that it was a struggle. Oh my God. You know, like every day, so hard. you've got to show up and be bubbly and fun for 15,000, 20,000 people, however many yeah. people are there. Yeah. And you're depressed, essentially, so and stressed, and you're figuring out breastfeeding and being a mom, new mom. Like, what would you do 
and tell yourself a year ago if you can do it again? Would I have to still do the tour? Doing the tour. Okay. What would you do? How would you? And maybe you, no, a friend maybe of mine you need just, to go through that as a mom. You are so right. That is the biggest piece. Maybe it's not like you can't no, eliminate you're it. No, you so right. You just need it. No, that was like my real dark night of the soul last summer was the darkest it's ever gotten for me was having panic attacks, being out on stage with an arena full of people and having a panic attack right before I went on stage. Wow. Because, yeah, I can't control anything and my breast milk is diminishing and I'm going to have to give her formula and the guilt over that and like, oh my God, what would I tell her? I think I would, I would just say... The hardest things are the things that change you. They always have been. The like the worst things you go through are the things that give you the strength to then maybe write a song that mm. will then change people's lives. Like I think that's what's happening right now. I can feel that transmutation happening mm. in me and I'm right mid process. So maybe we'll talk again in a year after that music yeah. has been written. But like I know that there was there was a purpose for that all that. And I know that the the awareness and a, like I was a, a, how do I say this? I got to see my shadows really deeply. Dark, I, the dark sides. I really didn't know that stuff was there. What, were the, what were the dark sides of you that you never saw? Just or that you how controlling saw? I am, how self-absorbed I am. Or every person or every situation. I think with like my career, how I, how I moved from a place of deep faith with the universe, with the divine, before Fight Song came out, to a need to control every aspect and wow. how I stopped truly being the light that I am once I let the industry and like I started believing the hype of like, oh, you're so, or I hear thousands of people being like, you healed me. How confusing is that? I'm sure you wrestle mm -hmm. with it too. You're like, oh, am I special? Oh, dope, maybe I'm special. Yeah, but that separates you from God and like mm. separates you from your higher self because you start buying into this belief that you're the one doing it, that you're the special one. And that's so dangerous for us. And so I started believing it and not treating people like I want to treat people. Really? And being, it was never maybe as bad as I think it was because I've gone back and like made amends actually and be like, I'm so sorry. Was I being a dick at that award show when I was, was I dismissing? And some of my closest you know people in my life at the time were like maybe it wasn't as bad as you think but i do i'm yeah. glad you're giving me that apology mm -hmm. and thank you and it's kind of shocking that you're understanding how it might yeah. have seemed from someone else's point of view but you weren't like the evil witch of no, the industry but I'm you not, were I never, like, I, i'm yeah. a kind person <laughs> yeah. but i i got mixed up with um like my boundaries weren't good and so because of that i was allowing things to happen that then i'd lash out like rather than being like oh that's doesn't feel good for me and honoring like speaking up and being okay with like saying no to things. I'd say yes to everything and then, and then get resentful. And then get resentful mm -hmm. and get really upset and then it would come out in like shadow behavior. There's so much to that. What's the thing you're most ashamed of? Uh, I was on a world tour. It was either Japan or Australia or somewhere like I was just the worst version of myself. Really? I was like no, it was in London and I was exhausted i hadn't slept i was having i didn't know what they were at the time but they were like panic attacks i thought they were just i didn't know what it was because i didn't have a therapist at the time um so i wasn't sleeping and i was jet lagged and all those excuses fine i can give myself excuses but i was acting so badly like mm. 
I want to give myself kindness right now because I'm ashamed and like it's hard to talk about, but I was just rude. Like I was being rude. I was canceling things and I was like totally ungrateful and they'd come in and be like, this is your schedule today and it's busy from 5 a.m. until like 11 p.m. And I was like, cancel this, cancel this, cancel it. And people had worked really hard for preparing all preparing. For these things. And oh, I was yeah. like, no, <sighs> like, no, I don't like my glam. I don't like that. I don't feel good. And I, I feel fatter. I feel just coming out in all this like, not okay behavior when what I really wish I could have done was look at like, holy crap, 23 year old me couldn't, wouldn't believe she's in London right this, now. Right? A dream of this. People wanting to talk to me and hear from me. So I'm not especially proud of those moments. And How do you get back to your center of, you know, being that joyful, loving self? I think that I had a major reckoning. Um, this whole year and a half has been it. Um, maybe two years, um, right before I had my daughter, I put out an album called Waves that mm -hmm. I love and I'm proud of, but it did nowhere near what the album before Invite Song and Stand By You had done. It was like, you know, it sold thousands of copies, but it wasn't selling millions of copies. And um, because I was basing my total worth on like my results. career success and yeah. results, I was really <clears throat> ashamed and really disappointed and like, looking to lash out and blame like whose fault is this and mm. who didn't do a good enough job promoting me and so that was my initial thing and then wow. i took a trip to israel with friends and i had been growing more when was this um right before him right before i got pregnant with my daughter so like uh i don't a year two years ago like uh 2017 18 2018 no the march 2018 okay my album came out 2017, I think, yeah. I hope I'm getting this right. And 2018, I was like, I'm so lost. I need to, I need to go to, I need to go shake something up. Something needs to change. And, and I had happened? friends at that time who were like very spiritual and religious and in different ways. And I was really disconnected from all the belief that I had before, like that I'd had and carried for, mm. you know, 15 years of throughout, like sustaining my faith in myself. Yeah. I had kind of just like made my career my god and just like you know forgot it and that's what that's what was happening and it's not totally true because i had an i had like a beautiful altar at home and i was sure. meditating and like still aware i mean we had our interview and i was definitely aware but there was shadow behavior that i wasn't looking at so um i think i recognized that something needed to change and i went with my friends on this trip and when i was there we climbed mount Masai. I hope I'm getting the name right, at the Trail of Tears. Mm -hmm. And at the top of it, first of all, being there was a really incredible experience because I was Jewish and I was there with a lot of Christian people. And it was so, look, it was able, so I was able to look at Israel mm -hmm. with a very interesting perspective. And um, anyway, we climbed this mountain and at the top of it, I just had this moment of sobbing and mm. like this big, I don't know, it was like this huge, reckoning where all of a sudden rather than blaming god i had deep gratitude and i realized with my friend's help that it was a gift my record not taking off the second record was a gift it was all for me it was because that's not who i was supposed to be in the world mm. i wasn't supposed to be another pop star um if i was going to lose the truth and the light in mm. me and it was a gift and it was like we're sorry you know, I, I heard this from my like team. It was kind of like, I was meditating. It was like, we're sorry that this is hurting you, but this is necessary. You need to get back to who you are before you can get bigger. 
Do you think that album would have been different if you didn't lose that part of yourself? Yes. Really? Of course. But at the same time, and I needed to go through all that. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to go through it because the music I'm writing now is so powerful. Mm -hmm. I can feel the truth of it. I can feel the stuff that I used to write about is mm. back. Like, I want that crown again. I want the crown of being the... I was embarrassed by being the fight song girl back after. Because everyone was like... Because I wasn't getting festivals, I wasn't cool, and I was getting turned down for things because they were like, oh, it's like the vanilla fight song girl, mm. and she's hopeful, and people would be like, that's the whitest shit I've ever seen, which is really funny. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it is. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like white girl goes to the city and like, please in her dreams, and I get right, all the right. stuff behind it, but <laughs> at the same, I'm aware. But at the same time, I know it was changing people's lives, but and I was unable to tap into that part of it because I wanted, like I said, I wanted to be like cool. recognizing the industry in a yeah. different way and be like yeah, Coachella and, be and this and that and like be in the scene. Yeah. I wanted to be nominated for Grammys and be respected by the industry and not made fun of by like Didn't you win a Grammy? No. I won one other award. Emmy? Emmy, yeah. Emmy, Emmy. Yeah. I mean how ridiculous that I'm like You won an I Emmy. I wanted another award. No. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Um man, aren't we funny with ourselves? But um uh, yeah, no, I wanted so I wanted something different than I had. Mm. You know, I was like the grass is greener thing, and I uh. had all my dreams, and I was selling millions of records, but I wanted to do it in a different way. And so my album was like, that second album was, um, there were some, some songs on it that were still really true to who I am, but then you can kind of hear there was some music on it, the sounds on it mainly. I think if you boil any of those songs down to just me on the piano, they're my truth, and they're my lyrics, and they're beautiful. But the, maybe the songs and the, the way it was crafted around it was like, um, I was trying to like put a jacket on it that could mm. let me play Coachella and like right. be like, no, no, I can do that too. I'm cool. Right. So now you feel like you've gotten back to that place of like, I'm going to own who I, I don't am. Care I'm accepting it. who I am. I don't care at all about being cool. Oh my, I'm a mom. Like I just, <laughs> what? What is it? What is cool even? I just want to sure. be me. And I just want to make music that, that's, and I want the, yeah, I said, I want that crown back of that. Let me be the person people look to for inspiration and hope. Like, what a beautiful thing. How could I ever take that off and, and not want that? And now I'm, I'm hungry for it. Let me be that again. And let me feel, that is my divine purpose here, is to bring healing through my music. And, and not only healing, but um, inspiration and also identity. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like my role is really to remind us who we are, who Ooh. we truly are. And that I want that more. I want that. I want that back. I want that more. I don't know how to say there's it. There's got to be a song around losing yourself and finding yourself. Again. Oh, I'm it's writing it. Be, you're right. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, something I know about you from my last interviews, you talked about the power of visualization. You've been talking about this a little bit. How in your 20s you really saw yourself on stage with 60,000 people. You saw yourself singing these types of songs, winning the awards, getting platinum records uh, handed to you. You you visualize this, and they yeah. all started to come true. Yeah. Where's there, has there been a time where you stopped visualizing? Yeah, absolutely. I stopped visualizing after all of it happened and it wasn't making me happy. And I got really confused because I was in London, lost, not enjoying what I had manifested. And so I was like, maybe I don't know what's best for me anymore. Who am I to, to ask for things when they're not even making me happy? Oh, so you visualize these things, they come true, yeah. and then you're not happy. Yeah. And so huh. then I started visualizing, I think uh, before I had my daughter, I moved into this place. I think it was after the Israel trip. I was like, I just want peace. I just want, mm. I just want happiness. I just want joy, like lasting joy. I don't want the conditional faith that's, you know, in these sky highs and low lows. I just want 
a constant level of contentment and okayness with myself in the world. And I don't know what's going to bring that. So whatever you want for me, that's what I want now. Wow. Okay. So are you visualizing now certain dreams? I am again though, because I think I needed to rest a little bit in that <laughs> and, and just, and now I'm back to being like, oh no. What's the dream now? I want to be a household name. I don't want people to just know Fight Song and, and to have to be like, oh no, she's that girl. Do you know that song? That was my Fight Song. No, it wasn't Kelly Clarkson actually. It was this girl, Rachel Platten. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I want to, people to know my name and I want to have more Fight Songs and I want to have a lifelong career. Mm. I want to be releasing music in you know a decade and, and music that I really believe in and I want to be playing arenas. I mean, I got to do it last summer and I want to continue to be able to do it and I want to grow and expand because I think that's what's natural. Yeah. Expansion is natural and growth right. is natural. That's true. Do you think it's harder for an artist or any creative, I talk about it in business as well, or authors, uh, do you think it's harder to make a hit and get successful or is it harder to stay successful? Oh, such a good question. Because it took you 13 years until yeah. you really made it in yeah. a sense, until you like, okay, people know my song, this is a hit. Yeah. It took 13 years, of was so much pain and energy and joy yeah. to get there, is it harder to get there or is it harder to stay there and continue to grow there? <sighs> I don't know. I Maybe, I mean, those 13 years were painful, mm -hmm. but it was also, the hustle was kind of fun mm -hmm. and I wasn't lost and there wasn't like all these, you know, I didn't have to go through the reckoning that I just went through that was horrible. Maybe staying there. And, and maybe I think, it's not mm. even staying there, I think it's staying who you are there. Because uh, no one prepares you for those moments. No one tells like, you, you have like. three months where you yes. have nothing and then you have everything. everything. And, and no one tells you. There's no training. No, and I tried like media training. That was like the, the extent of what my training was. I needed training like fame training. Like here's how it's gonna <laughs> feel when people stare at you and wanna take your picture. Here's how it's gonna feel when everyone tells you that you're better than everyone else. Wow. Here's how to not get lost. And no one tells anyone that, and and um, maybe we can. Maybe we can. I don't know. Like, what would you say to someone who's an artist who's got a big dream, who's got to launch something? They want it to be huge. They want people to know their name. What would you say about how to not lose yourself when you become famous in your industry or in the world? I don't know, but sometimes I can see it now when someone's like about to hit, and I know them, and they're like getting that like, you know, like, Momentum's and I can feel building. it, and I'm like, oh. My to hold you so badly because I see that you're starting to let your ego lead and I, I and I, I can see you losing yourself because I lost myself and I and then but then you're like oh am I just like jealous maybe that's that where it's is it coming from like uh. competition or is it like I think my higher self is like no I want to protect them but um I, I don't know I think I would say you need such a deep spiritual practice and you cannot waver and you need to keep the people around you that are not going to be yes people like I think that's a really dangerous thing that happens with fame or mm -hmm. you know people knowing you is that you have everyone who works for you around you all of a sudden it's not your friends that you're that you're surrounded by it's people that you're paying and so everyone's just going to tell you that like your behavior is okay and I would say like and sometimes people's parents even become yes people to them like I've been around famous friends whose parents are very much like an assistant you, you know to them and it's mm. gross um so i think that having friend partner whatever it is who's really going to look at you and keep you accountable might might be a one what's thing. the biggest lesson your husband's taught you throughout this journey of 
hitting fame because he was with you when yeah. you were nobody. And yep. then you hit fame and then you had a years of success, launch another album, it doesn't do the way you want it to, have a child, postpartum depression, anxiety, stress every day. Yeah. What's the lesson he's taught you in the last five years of all this happening? That I'm lovable through all of it. That I'm still, that I'm, that I'm lovable. Mm. That I'm, that I can love myself the way he can love me and that it doesn't matter like the, what comes or goes, he's just loved me. Really? And always seen who I really am and helped me to stay grounded as much as possible. You know, when you're skying, like flying sky high and totally ungrounded, like he was trying to bring me back down, but those, it was an experience I had to go through myself. Hmm. I think. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> what do you really admire about him the most by being able to stay in a mm. positive state with you in these last, these ups and down, these five years? What, what's the thing you admire the most about him? He's so grounded. He does not get, he got. He gets excited when the exciting things are happening, like when I released the book and it was doing well and when, like, you know, the song came out recently. Like, we, we get excited and he'll, like, buy into it for a second and be like, baby, like, um, but he's so, he's just so him. He's so mm. himself. He doesn't ever act differently. He's never trying to put on a Kevin that, like, someone else will like. He's not changing who he is and, like, trying to people please. He's just Kevin. And it's awesome. And sometimes it's a little like unnerving because I'm like, can you just like be a little bit like act a little like, you know, and he never will. He's just himself. Oh, that's good. It's awesome. That's good. Have you ever felt like an imposter in the last five years? Yeah, all the time. Really? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Definitely. Like award shows when I'm wearing a ball <laughs> gown and like have glam on and I'm like, and I just, I, maybe the age difference too that I was like always like 10 years older than the girls that were like, people that I was coming up with. I know I look young, so it was often like, people would be like, wait, what, you're 35? Like, what right. the fuck, I thought you were, yeah. So maybe that was a little bit when I was hanging out with Taylor and like all of her model friends, and I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> or also like, I wanna be having deeper <clears throat> conversations than, not that they're not deep, they're beautifully deep, but like, just the whole like, thing of it like oh let's all wear cute things and hope we get paparazzi like that's not who I am mm. I think I felt imposter syndrome all the time especially when you're getting oh my god one very funny moment I... <laughs> this Tell is me. so good <laughs> I might have done a post about it I'm, I'm usually that person um I was um flying home from New York or something this is like 2018 like the height of me thinking I was something mm. and I was flying home and I got off the flight and had glasses on, no one cared, no one was recognizing <laughs> no, me, no, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god. No, people, people sometimes did, but I not nearly the level that I wanted them to. Sure, sure. And I landed at LAX, and there was like paparazzi, and that had happened, and I was like, oh, like, okay, whatever, like, <laughs> hey guys, like, just like a couple shots. And they're like, Amanda, Amanda, and I'm like, Amanda? and. They thought that I was a real, like a housewife. Shut up. Yeah, they had no idea who I was. <laughs> it's just like, and my assistant was like, it's Rachel Platt. And they were like, who? Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. 
assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off it's wow. so funny so it's not like oh take yeah, the camera yeah, yeah, like, all of them like mm. oh, no way <laughs> so good what did that do for so you good. it was funny yeah i had enough of a sense of humor at the time that i was like that's really funny and i think i called andy andy grammar and i is, he's my always like my check-in of like you know, we consider ourselves siblings in this industry, uh -huh. and I call him, and I was like, Andy, you're never gonna believe what happened. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. How do you uh, move into that in the future by handling imposter syndrome? What do you think you can do to support yourself, to be able to li live your authentic self, step into big moments, and not feel like an imposter? Or do we always feel like an imposter at some time when we've never been to that level? Mm. Mm. Like, is there a stage that's too big for you? that you could feel like, what no, am I so doing here? so that's different. Like, okay, when I'm in my truth, when I'm performing, I never feel like an imposter. When I'm, even when I was on stage with, like, Taylor and 60,000 people, I didn't even feel like an imposter then. I felt a really big, this is where I'm supposed to be You felt moment. you belonged. I felt like I belonged. I felt like, yes, because it didn't feel like it was coming from my ego. It felt like a way deeper thing that was happening. I was emitting light, people were receiving the light, people were remembering their identity. Mm. It was a beautiful energy exchange. I never feel that way when I'm on stage or writing a song or in a moment that has to do with my music directly. It's the stuff around it. Sure. It's the red carpets and the like paparazzi things and the things that go around with what you're supposed to do with celebrity. That's the stuff where I'm like, the f <laughs> Oh my God, can you bleep that? I feel well, so bad, I'm sorry. Don't worry, it's authentic. It's not good. <laughs> what do you think has been the the main keys to your success then to getting to where you're at now if you could go back to just the whole life what, what do you think it would be um my light i have i can own that i know that i have a humongous light that shines when i let myself be me you asked me right before this i loved the question what yeah. would make this podcast the most powerful experience right now and i said letting my authentic self be like not trying to put a mask on or come off a certain way or 
say something to impress people or you like just what if I just am totally honest in myself and yeah. um and so far yeah it feels pretty good I'm doing that <laughs> um and I think that is my ability with my music and that's what people see and recognize and and are drawn to mm-hmm. in my social media and on stage when they in my music that they listen to I think they're hearing me and this permission to let myself and all my shadows and all my light be seen let just my true truest me be seen and then it gives people permission to see themselves and say oh Rachel is owning this part of herself this imperfection right. and if she's if she's doing that then it's okay then I am this imperfect flawed human too and so I think that's yeah. what's allowed me and that's what people are drawn to would you say that's true I don't know if we ever see ourselves totally clearly well I think when I when I hit 30, I started to open up and kind of shed the masks. And I'm still, yeah. I'm so, probably always going to be doing it, but I'm so aware of it when I have a mask on or from projecting, right? Whereas when I was pre-30, I was just living to impress. Me too. And now I'm like, okay, if they don't care about me, then that, I don't know. Maybe it makes me more interesting that I'm so such a mess at times or if I'm saying the wrong thing or whatever. Uh, or if I don't look perfect. And so I'm, I'm just so comfortable in my imperfections. I'm so comfortable Me too. with being embarrassed now. Me so too. I don't enjoy it, but it's like, okay, it's, I feel fine. I'm not going to die. Exactly. Like my career's not over if I have an embarrassing moment or if I go through something that I'm ashamed of. Like yeah. it's not, I'm not going to die. It's okay. It's actually probably the, the where you're going to get the most light. 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 Exactly. Not likes. Yeah. Light. It's probably, you know, like those are the cracks. And now I can recognize those moments of like, I've had enough of them. Like even my postpartum was something that I heard from millions of women being like, thank you so much. Why? That was an exaggeration. Thousands of women. Sorry, I'm just checking myself. Not millions of women. The world. Yeah, I don't know. I heard from thousands of women being like, that was, thank you so much for, for talking about your postpartum on stage. Um, I've never heard it talked about in public. Thank you so mm. much for doing that. Like that was surprising and, and I went through it too and I didn't know what it was or I felt embarrassed about it. So... It's like those things that we can recognize now. Like, I don't, embarrassment to me, it's never really been a thing. You're, I mean, I you're have to, good at le- leaning into embarrassment. Like, you've had, and you post about it. Like, you, I think you time. mess up the words of the Star Spangled Banner. Which De- I still don't know what they are, but you. Definitely. <laughs> so embarrassing. Was it a baseball game or a football By the game? way, I was pregnant, so I'm going to give myself a little, like, grace, <laughs> and I couldn't tell anyone. But um, it was still the most mortifying thing I've ever gone through. But that was actually. Um, it's great for your ego. So good for me. It was such a humbling because that was another moment. I didn't even freaking sound check that day. You're just like, I got this. I was this. like, I got this. I've done this so many times. I sang it as an all star. I sang this at a way bigger thing. I just mm. did the all star game and the, you know, World Series. This is a stupid soccer game. I'm fine. <laughs> it, well, I, don't, I don't know what my mindset was, but wow. I know I was really lost. Really, wow. I was in the beginning of my pregnancy and really sick. And also, like, so the part of not going to sound check was like, I'm throwing up. I don't. Right. But was like I got this, like no. It was deal. like I'm. I've been on stage with Taylor. Come on, people, you know. It was a little bit of that, and I think there was a big humbling. Like, you still need to put effort and, you know, and respect these opportunities. Otherwise, this is going to happen because, and it's not even like a punishment. It's more just there's going to be pain when you're not grounded in your higher self. Mm-hmm. When you're separate, there's pain. When you're not connected. When you're not connected, you're going to feel pain, and that was the lesson there. Check in, connect with yourself, like ground, you know, let my higher self in, connect with the divine. Otherwise, I'm going to feel pain because I'm going to think that it's all on my shoulders. There's going to be some negative result or some result that you don't like. Yeah. If you're not connected and present and prepared. I think prepared is a big one. Yeah. 
And yeah. even if you're connected, prepared, ready, you still might make mistakes. Yeah. But you're more likely to make more mistakes if you're not connected. Yeah. If you're not present. Yeah. And the mistakes when you're all of those things are going to be la okay. You know, yeah. like I'm on stage now and I'll still be all those things. I'll have meditated. I'll have checked in. I'll have, you know, prayed over the show and all the people there and like prepared and practice and warm up my voice and I'll still make mistakes, mm -hmm. but they'll be okay, you know, because I'll yeah. laugh at them with the audience. And I'll yes. be like, oh my God, I just blessed up the words there. Did you guys see that? <laughs> it's almost like in the last 10 years, pre 10 years ago, it was like you, everyone had to put out this perfect image of who they were. Mm. And I think social media now, people are seeing through that. If it's only all perfect stuff, it's kind of yeah. like, can we relate to someone who shows only the best? Yeah. And I think there's a balance of like, okay, showing stuff that we're happy about, but also stuff that we're struggling with. And it makes us more connected to people when we do that. So I think you did an amazing job. Oh. What's the... I what's, agree with you. Not about me, but about <laughs> social, about uh, yeah. everyone showing their insecurities more. It's, it's like, you can see through it quickly. You can. It's always this perfect image. It's like, yeah. okay, you're not... No perfect. one's living life like that. But yeah. it, we still get confused by it. We you do. know, I'll still look at an account that's like all the highlights and still compare my mm. you know behind the scenes to that mm -hmm. and still feel pain from that so yeah. even though we know it when we're not so conscious of it and we're just allowing our limbic system to like run and being in fight or flight we'll like be scrolling and we'll feel pain and it'll, yeah. it will hurt and we'll yeah. feel like oh, i'm not good enough or do you feel like in the last year when you were on tour being a new mom and dealing with this anxiety and depression did you feel like you um we're dealing with a case of mental health and learning how to master your mental health? Or do you feel like this was a just a period of time because you were a new mom? And what did you learn about yourself and mental health during that time? No, it was definitely a mental health thing that I was going through. Um, and recognizing that and allowing myself to finally say, this is bigger than just becoming a new mom. This is, I'm having panic attacks. I'm struggling with something that actually has a name. It's postpartum anxiety and giving myself the permission to name it was then allowed me to get the help that I needed. So what I'm, happens when we don't name it? You aren't giving yourself the permission to heal. Like you're, you're keeping it in the shadow and you're, and it's just this amorphous thing. And then you can blame other things or other people. And like, I think naming it is so powerful. It just brings awareness to it, which is mm -hmm. bringing light to it. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to be supported in the way that you need to be. Do you feel like you're like on, I, the, on the other side now of that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, thank God I'm way, I'm, I can feel myself again. I can yeah. feel myself back to who I am again. Um, I found my light again. But even after six months, I was like, I'm healed. <clears throat> I was not, <laughs> you know, it, was t it took a minute. Also some of that is breastfeeding and the hormones you have to yeah. regulate. I, I breastfed until she was a year old and, um, once I stopped, that was when I was really fully able to like recover my hormonal balance because you're still then producing for what your baby needs. And mm -hmm. um, But it was a mental health thing. And I think women don't feel permission to name that after having a baby because you're embarrassed about it. And the truth is, if you need to take medicine, if you need to have therapy, if you need to give yourself permission to heal, you need to be able to name it so you can like you know, give yourself all those resources yeah. and not just be like, oh, get it together. Like, what's wrong with me? Or call it the baby blues. And then, which is what a lot of, what a lot of women confuse actual postpartum with, because there is a thing where you get mm. like a minor depression after the serotonin of birth wears off. Right. Um, but postpartum is something very real. 
and it's different than that. Do you know any moms who their first child that they're just like happy all the time in the first year or just almost <laughs> every mom that you've met have some type of panic, anxiety, stress, postpartum, depression? Not every mom has that extreme of like having to that something that's called postpartum. But I think I, I do not know a single mom that hasn't had the shock of what the F <laughs> just happened. My, my sister and I were talking last <laughs> night and she's like, her friend just had a baby and she said, her friend called her and said, Melanie, this is horrible. Why didn't you tell me? And Melanie said, cause I needed you to join me <laughs> because it's terrible. And no, and none of us tell each other. I mean, A, you don't want to scare women that right. are pregnant. Like They're the so last excited. thing you're, yeah. Oh, the baby is amazing. Yeah, the last thing you're gonna do is be like, oh, by the way, like, it's about worst to get so yeah. hard. But also, you don't know that that's gonna be, gonna be their experience. And just because I don't know anyone who's had a totally blissful experience, doesn't mean that there aren't. Right. There probably are. And maybe someone listening is like, I had an incredible, first year and or that's maybe, good for you or maybe after your fourth child you're like okay now i know what's I happening think definitely and... after your, at least your first child the shock well i think you have to birth yourself as a mother too and that it's is a whole new identity Oof, you go from maiden to mother i mean i could talk about this for a long time like you lose the you there, it's the death of who you were and the birth of the mother Ooh. and it's a gigantic reckoning there's two births yes the mom birth and the child birth yeah what is that like Oh my God. It depends on how, how much into the, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to get with this, but I think for me, I was in a place where I was depending so much on other people because of my career. I had went from like all mm. hustle, all independent, feisty, doing this myself. I was my own booking agent and lawyer and tech Pub person assistant. and publicist. And I carried all my own hundred pound of piano. I'd like lug it upstairs. and. And then I had everyone doing everything for me. I had a personal assistant literally attending to everything. And it was, it was very disempowering. Mm. And so then my birth into motherhood was really hard because I, being a mother is owning your power and owning that you know best and tapping into your intuition and trusting that intuition for your baby. <clears throat> and you cannot look externally for those answers. I tried really really it hard <laughs> it didn't work until i started trusting and realizing no one knows better for violet than i do wow so mine was mine was steep how do you i want to shift for a moment about the creative artist around and around the topic of money because for many years you weren't making a lot of money right mm -hmm. is that fair to say Ten, no, making no money yeah 10 plus years yeah what are you making uh, an average year is it tens of thousands I was supplementing it with singing voiceovers, uh -huh. playing clubs, like playing cover cover of clubs. Maybe like maybe I was making twenty thousand a year. Twenty grand a year, yeah. maybe at your maybe height. Maybe at as my an height. Indie I was artist, lucky. Like yeah. Twenty grand. You're scrapping around. Yeah. yeah. You're eating leftovers every yeah. you can. You're sleeping in the van. You're doing what you can. Yeah. How do you navigate now financial wealth as an artist? Like quickly within a year, two years time from 20 grand a year to, I don't know, I'm assuming millions when you start to get the bigger contracts. How do you navigate that emotionally, spiritually, mentally? Well, I changed my mindset around money before I made money. Mm, that's smart. So I haven't really changed my relationship to money since that big healing I did. What'd you do around money before you made it? It sounds a little crazy. I had this, I found this app. I think I read some Law of Attraction book around uh -huh. money. and the I Secret or something. Something like that. Or one of those, like Napoleon Hill uh -huh. ones. And I 
really believed it. And so I... Think and grow rich. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And I really took it to heart and I started to um, practice it. And so I did this long before Fight Song hit. This is when I was still very broke. I just started... Um, it's a little embarrassing. I'm going to share it with you. Sure, I All love right. this. It's it was an app I found. This is 10 years ago. I don't know if the app is still around. And the app was um, a fake checkbook. <laughs> so, and I'd write myself a check for $30 million. And then I'd spend it. And I'd be like, oh, $10,000. I want that microphone. Cool. $20,000. I'm going to rent this thing. Dope. I'm going to get my hair colored for $500 because I couldn't afford that in real life. I'm going to go um, you know, on this $20,000 vacation. And I would just write... I would have, it was a game. I'd like game it, really. And it was I'd, like a, a mental game. It was a mental game. And then I'd do this thing where I'd like, I, someone told me or some other app I found was like for 17 seconds if you can really stay in the vibration of that you are a millionaire. And I would do it. And then I'd do it daily and obsessively. And then I started giving money away. Like I really went all for it. And I know this is a terrifyingly stupid thing if you don't, don't believe in this. Like people listening are like, what? But I would just give money to people. I had no money and I would give my money. I would make $100 from a gig and I would give $50 of it to a homeless person that I'd see or like I'd leave $20 in a tip jar when I had no money. And it was that act of faith that money is an energy. It is mm. not what we think it is. And that flipped my mindset. It still took years to make millions of dollars, but I haven't changed my mindset. I still believe that money works the same way. So now if I'm feeling a little bit of lack, which I did recently, we bought a really expensive, beautiful house. And my husband and I were both like, oh, shoot, I'm not touring this year. There's no touring right now. Uh-oh, did we just over? And I realized I went into a little bit of a lack mindset. Mm. And he was like, well, we can't get those hedges that you want. I know this is like privileged problems, but um, it was real for, for us. I wanted these hedges. Sure. And he's like, oh. And, and I realized that I had reintroduced a fear around money again. And so I did a little meditation with myself to reintegrate that belief that money is an energy. And now I imagine just like God or whatever you believe in the divine writing me a check. And so when I, I just imagine the exact amount that I want, what do you do? It's fascinating. This is I a love fascinating this. thing I that I've made up. <laughs> no, I think I think there's a lot of similar things that I do as well. And I think people need to hear this because uh, whether you believe it or not, I think it's important to have a mindset around it to be able to be open to attract it. It doesn't mean it's going to get checks in the mail the next Mine day. Mine didn't. Mine took years a couple years. years yeah. Right? It doesn't mean it's all of a sudden going to happen, but it's not going to happen if you're not thinking in an abundant mindset. If it's you're thinking true. scarcity all the time, yeah. why would money come to you? A mentor of mine told me back in the day when I was broke, I was working for him as an intern. I think I made $500 in six months. Mm. I was working out of a closet in the kitchen, learning from... <laughs> this business, but I was happy to be there and it was the agreement we made because I had nothing and I was like, let me learn and I'll do whatever. And at one point we did a walk around the neighborhood, probably six months in and I'm like, man, I could really use some money. I'm, I'm pretty broke. Yeah. And he goes, money comes to you when you're ready for it. It's true. And I was like, I feel pretty ready for it. Man. Yeah. Like, I could have some money right now. And he I'm was ready, like, bro. But he just kept reinforcing like, money will come to you when you're ready for it emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. And if you get money too soon, too much, and you're not prepared, and you're not ready, then you're gonna blow it. Yeah. You're gonna spend it the wrong way. Yeah. You're gonna abuse it. You know, you're gonna become a bad person in the in the act of using money. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to have a great relationship around the idea of money before you have it. Yes. And it sounds like you did that. Yes. So you would focus on this every day. You would spend like a minute a day or thirty seconds in your mind. I think in my lowest 
point when I, after I'd lost the record possible contract and I was, I would, I would obsessively do all of this. I would mm. play in hospitals two times a week and that's because it brought me joy. I would meditate, I would law of attract, I would go to sleep envisioning these things that I wanted. I, I actually did, I told my friend Kelsey recently this, um, that I had never shared with anyone. I might as well share these really weird yeah. manifesting techniques because they, they worked. Um, and forgive me if they sound crazy, but sound I would great. play the applause of a stadium in my tiny one bedroom village apartment with cockroaches. I would blast the sound of a stadium and I would close my eyes and take bows as if I had just performed. Like I would just be I like- I love this. <laughs> I love this. This is amazing. So embarrassing. I love, I think this is, this is all stuff that I would do as well. I would envision myself as an athlete uh, scoring the touchdown in front of a full stadium. I think every you hear all these like baseball players imagining when their kid getting up at the bottom of the ninth, yeah. bases loaded. They imagine oh. like swinging and hitting a grand slam. Yes. These are these yeah. are stories we need to tell ourselves. We yeah. need to envision the results we want. Otherwise, yes. why would they automatic automatically yes. happen to us? Yes, we need to do these over and often. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful. You did that. I think everyone should create a game for themselves. Would it be in your make it fun? Make it fun. I made it fun. Mine was silly. I'd so laugh would, at myself after. You would put the fun. music out loud of people cheering and what and bow. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. I would admire you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> and then I, and I, it would last. The feeling would last. I'd open my eyes and I'd be in my tiny apartment, but I'd still feel the my because 
time is not real, you mm-hmm. know, and, and who I am now is the same as who I was then. And it's all on a spectrum anyway. And I would, in some part of my soul knew that that was a reality that had just happened or that was going to happen. Wow. So it was almost like I put myself into that other, you know, dimension mm-hmm. and then got to stay in that dimension and would go to my gig for 10 people and feel like you guys are lucky. You know, like, <laughs> you've seen me before. Yeah, before. I would. I really? Yeah, I did sometimes believe that. I did. Wow. I had not always. I'd also have nights where I'd just feel embarrassed and feel like, oh, well, there's two people here. They're not like, even watching just, me. I'm like, ah! and like eating salad, like or chips or whatever, and watching a game and not listening to me. And but um, you're putting your heart into this. You're like, I just drove yeah. 18 hours to be at this little dive bar. Those were hard, and no one cares. Ugh. But you know what? My mindset was still and. I'm so glad to talk about this because I need to remember these techniques myself. Mm. Maybe not of the applause because I now know that I can play in the arena, but that's not necessarily what brings me happiness. Um, it's the it's the permission to truly be me mm. and to write the music that is from my heart without the voice of the ego or the judge coming in and saying, this is too cheesy or this is too this. But anyway, um, my friend who I would always tour with early in those days, he would say to me, he was so wise, his name was Craig, he would say to me, um, he's my drummer too, he'd say, Rachel, the party is on the stage. It's for us. Let's just have the best night we have, we can. Let's just play for each other. Whoever wants to join our party, awesome. This is for us. And so it wouldn't matter, we'd have the best night. We'd play for 10 people and they'd have the best night because they'd feel our infectious joy. And I, I would say that to my band this summer. Even when I was having panic attacks right before going on stage, I would, I would be able to um, have so much fun on stage because mm. I'd, I'd remind myself right before I went on stage, this is for us, you guys. Like, this is not for the thousands of people, whatever, out there. Let's have the best time. Let's play the best we've ever played. Let's look at each other and connect and remember that we were once those kids in vans carrying our own pianos, and now look where we're, now we're, look where we're about to play. Wow. That's inspiring. It I, think we, cool. I think it's always important for us to remind ourselves of where we've come. Yeah. And the, yeah. the years of pain and suffering mm. and challenge and stress and not making it and being broke or whatever it may be, it's important to remind ourselves that. You're right. Yeah, it's funny you it say is. that, that those were some of like the greatest times as well, like just hustling and they were. schlepping around the country. They're and, fun. You know, having the courage to go up to someone outside 10 minutes before you go on and say, hey, come on yeah. in, come, come watch, there's no one here, like come watch, it's free, <laughs> right? Just exactly. to get like three people there. Yeah. Because you learn so much about yourself in those times. Yeah. You learn a lot about yourself. What would you say is one of the greatest fears you have right now? Whether it be in your career, mm. mom, marriage, money, what's, what's the big fears? That I will somehow mess my perfect daughter up. That I either by, and I will, of course. You know, that's, she signed up for me to mess her up in exactly the way that only I can. Um, but she also signed up for all my love and, mm. you know, but, so yeah, that's one of my biggest fears, and I'm gonna do something, and, and somehow it's gonna scar her, and she's gonna to have to talk to therapists about it in the future, and I'm sure she will. And, <laughs> and my other biggest fear is that I'm done, that my career's, you know, that's something that Man. is like a deep, deep-seated fear that I know is, that's my ego. It's not real. Like, cause when I really listen and go deep, I know I'm not, but yeah. But why does it seem like a lot of people have that fear? I remember interviewing Steve Aoki and asking him his fear, mm. and he said something similar, which was around, you know, not being relevant. 
anymore. Like, I remember that. I remember I have, listening to that yeah. one or listening to the clip of that one. Did I have yeah. like my biggest hits already? Yeah. Like are people going to think I'm going to be interesting? Are they going to still want to show up to watch me mm. perform live? Are other yeah. artists going to want to collaborate with me? Why do we fear staying relevant? You know, I could look at myself and say, oh, there's some 23-year-old podcaster who's blowing up or whatever. Mm. Are they going to be more relevant? Yeah. Like, why do we think that way? I think it's our, I mean, obviously it's our ego. You know, it's our need to belong and be approved of and part of it's biological it's like you need to mm -hmm. you know be part of the herd and mm -hmm. be accepted and that's how our limbic system works because that's how we stayed protected and yeah. like caveman times but so i think that's biological but then i think um right now the way that social media is and the way that we're telling each other that we matter is through how relevant we are and how many likes we are and how many followers we have like that's a really dangerous thing to do to an artist or someone's creative little tender vulnerability to say like, um, actually, I know that you just poured your heart out, but it doesn't matter unless everyone else tells you it's good. And so um, I wonder, you know, how many people are not listening to what they truly ha might be able to tell the world for fear that they won't be liked enough or mm -hmm. it won't, you know, and I, I can ask myself the same question. Like, what would I do if I were fearless? What kind of music would I make if I was totally fearless? And maybe I'll take that from today, and, and I will, actually. Not maybe. Someone, someone triggered a question in me. It must have been a few weeks ago. I can't remember who it was, Kai, but uh, this isn't me saying this from my own thought. But someone was saying something like, what would it be like to act knowing you were going to fail? Because a lot of us oh. don't act because of the fear of failure. What if we acted knowing this is going to fail miserably? Whoa. So what would you do knowing it will fail miserably because you love it, you enjoy it, and accept that no one is going to care? Dang. It's going to fail. Would you still want to do it? Wow. But so many of us wait. I was talking to someone. What a question. I was talking to someone earlier today. She's been wanting to write a script about a movie for ten years, and she hasn't been able to complete it. Ten years. Ten years. She's been like. It's ruminating, yeah. thinking about it, wanting to get to it. And I was like, why? And she was like, the fear of failure, but also the fear of success. Like, what happens if it is successful? And then I got to rise to that occasion and stay there. It's like. Mm. Did she say that? She said, yeah. then rise and stay there. It's wow. kind of like, it's, it's kind of what happened to you. Like, you got successful, and then it's like, we got to stay there. Yeah. Because people are going to think about us if we drop back yeah, down. Yeah, you can't lose it. Like, how embarrassing it. is that? And. Mm. I don't know where I was wow. going with that, but no, I was No, it's <laughs> such a good question. I mean... But it's like, what was the song that you would write and put out there knowing that no one cared? <laughs> I but think I cared. would make a lot more spiritual music. Like, I think I would mm. talk more about my relationship with God and not be afraid oh. of how much, like, how powerful... I have, I have a song that I just wrote called Let Go, Let God, and in my mind, I'm not never going to release it because, like, that's Why? not... I don't know. Because I... I don't know. I like feel like maybe I'd be judged for my you will, talking. Knowing about, I will, you will be I will, judged. I will, I will, and it might fail. It probably will. I mean. But I just wonder. I'm going to think about that. It's I'm going to go home and think about it. I, I love mean, yeah, that. Yeah, and maybe it's not a now thing. Maybe it's a later thing. Uh, maybe it's a never thing, but it's just something to think about. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'm going to, I'll probably release that song. I'm going to think about the question, though, what if oh, right. it fails? Like, I think it's amazing. That question yeah. is amazing, and I want to examine it and understand what part of why I do this is because, this all gets confusing. Because part of my soul is like, 
no, you're here to expand. And, Don't be great. And, Don't and change the world. Influence yeah. and influence not people in an ego way like yeah. I got caught up with, but influence people to be their true selves. Mm -hmm. And you have spread a purpose here. Yes, you have a massive light to share. You've been given it because you are supposed to spread a massive amount of light in the world. So part of me knows that has nothing to do with my ego. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it gets a little confusing in there. I know. I don't know. It's like having confidence but staying humble. Yeah. It's like the balance of believing in yourself to be great, but also not losing yourself. Not losing yourself and not, oh, you know what? Maybe it's not thinking that it's just you. Ooh, like knowing that it's- like This is me, my stuff doesn't stink and it's all me. It's not you, it's the divine coming through no matter what mm. you're doing and what you believe in. It's source, it's the universal life form, it's chi, it's prana, it's whatever we call it. There's something, I don't care who you are or what you've done, you are tapping into that whether you know it or not. Yeah. And it's thinking that you're separate from it or that it's you that's doing it. That's when I think it turns from um, confidence to ego. Ego. And, yeah. I Do mean, you think so? I agree 100% when we start to believe that, you know, it's, it's tough because there are, in sports, you'll see two types of athletes, two extreme types of athletes who are great athletes. After they win the game, you'll see them getting interviewed, the star person, and the, the reporter will ask him, like, how'd you do it? Mm. Right? They'll say, you did amazing, you just won. How'd you do it? And you'll see two types of responses. One is the, I give all the glory to God. Mm. And it's like a look up, it's a praising God, Jesus, whatever it is that is your God and, and belief. Mm. And it's like, I would not be able to do this without that. And then you see another type of response, which is like the, you know, Conor McGregor, Mayweather, Muhammad Ali response that says, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I knew I was the greatest. No one can beat me in the world. I trained so hard. I put in the reps. I have no doubt that I am the greatest. Both of them win. But I don't know that they're different. Like, I, at least in Muhammad Ali's sense, uh -huh. I know he was a man of Very deep spiritual. spirituality and For faith. Sure. And, and the claiming we both know, the claiming I am, is, mm -hmm. is a phrase of the divine. Of course. And what we claim after that is our truth. And so I don't know that they're mm. separate. I think you are invoking the divine by saying, by me sitting here and saying to you, Lewis, I am an incredible songwriter. I am mm. a powerful source of light. I, you know, I, I am special. I am, yeah. it doesn't take away, that doesn't put me in ego unless I start believing that there's nothing else helping me get there. So sure. I don't know that they're that different unless it's a, person who is obviously so disconnected that they're harming people with their beliefs or acting right. in a way that's out of alignment, like I talked about that I had been and mm -hmm. starting believing their hype and being, and you know, treating people badly. True, true. But I think if you stand up like Muhammad Ali and said, I am the greatest, F yeah you are, like, <laughs> yeah, he is. For sure. He was and he influenced massive people, a massive amount of people and it could be argued that he ended the Vietnam War mm. with his humongous protest and we don't need to go into that, but for yeah. Sure, for sure. So were you saying before that you're thinking about releasing this a spiritual song uh, or you think, or you- No, I mean, you, I guess I've been playing it for random people that I know have deep you never, faith. You never thought about putting it out there? No, a, not really. I didn't even send it to my publisher or manager because I was kind of like, they'll make fun which, of me. It's like, interesting. Uh, I don't know if you know Leanne Rhymes. Um, I do, yeah. But well, she, yeah, I'm not well. You know her. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Friends, friends. She came and spoke at my event last year, Summon of Greatness. And I asked her if she would do some type of spiritual healing song. Mm. And she was like, well, I've never really done this, but there's been something I've been wanting to do, like my heart's been telling me to do, which is more of like this meditative, spiritual, soulful oh sound. I need to call her. Sound 
that has like a meditation and it's it's a song, but it's it's more of like a. I get it. You know what I mean? It's, I've been it's feeling a the same. Thing. I have the same calling. And she started the event. Yeah. She was the first one on stage, and she sat down and she did this unbelievable. It was like the whole room was crying, opening their hearts. <sighs> but it's not her traditional pop star mm. personality thing. And I was like, you need to do more of this. Mm. Like, I don't care if it's not number one on iTunes. You're yeah. changing lives. And it's fueling her soul. Yeah. She loves it. Yeah. And and she's doing more of it now. I think she put out some stuff online recently. But, oh, cool. I'm going to go listen. But you should connect with her. And I feel like artists should do more of the things that they love as well. Knowing yeah. it might, might fail miserably. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You keep doing the other stuff that you know is going to keep you alive and make you money and but inspire people. But I have people. to stop you because... The other stuff is also that for of me. Course. So the music that go. I'm writing when I'm on the piano and you. I am, it is me. That is actually my thing that Leanne Rooms was doing. Yeah, I have this calling, but it doesn't feel like my truth as much as these powerful anthems. songs. Anthems. that I am but, pouring, yes. yeah, like that I'm back in and wanting and writing right now in my home studio and s- screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, I know that those are my thing That's that she cool. just did. That's cool. So the other thing you might be a sidebar. You just lost yourself trying to do other stuff. I lost Now my, you're coming back. Yeah. I might sidebar eventually and do a meditation album, but that's not what my purpose is on gotcha. this world and how, or how I'm meant to use my light in the most big, truest way. Right. That's cool. Do you think you'll ever not be afraid of being relevant? Do you think you'll ever be like at peace whether you're in mainstream culture and relevant with hits or years stretches of like not as relevant will you ever be I think that I will I actually do I really do see that for myself yeah I do I think the path that I'm on how much I've grown even now Mm. though that fear is lessening even the permission to be on stage this summer and talk about my mental health issues was you know even releasing the song that I just released which I'm so proud of I wasn't trying to put out something that was like cool at the moment. I was just trying to put out something that I thought would be healing for the world right yes. now that touched on what we're going through. And I was more I was a little confused why more artists weren't speaking to the time that we're in right now. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, I want to and regardless of what happens. And actually maybe I did have that understanding this might fail. This doesn't sound like, you know, a cool Dua Lipa song right now or something. And who right. cares? Right. I'm proud of it. So, so I do song see my called Soldiers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great song. I think it's a great song, too. You don't have a music video, though, do you, with it? No. I'm mid-trying to figure out how to make one and what to do for it. In a pandemic and everything. Yeah, yeah. like and how to safely do it and mm-hmm. and what concept to even do. Because I don't know. In the beginning, I'm not on a label right now, too. And so all of this comes from me. So it's independent. Yeah. So you just say, okay, I'm going to put this out yeah. on, on Spotify, iTunes, yeah. and I'm all the places. I'm going to do this independently on my own label and which is an amazingly empowering thing. How does that work? Is this the first time doing that? I did it with You Belong, the uh-huh. song that inspired the book. The book, yep. And um, that was the first time I put something out independently since long ago. And the permission to just put out what you want without the label telling you Approving of it. is so freeing. It's also scary, though, because the whole relevance thing comes in. Like Without the big machine, even though I have followers and listeners and I have an audience now, I don't have access to the same... Things that I did when I was right the um, distribution, the yeah. marketing, the, the, the PR. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think it's like now I am have I am putting things out with the awareness like this might not do as well commercially mm-hmm. because I don't have the machine behind me, but I'm at least I get to put out what I love and I get to own my masters. Interesting. Yeah. Which artists don't? Because you don't own fights on 
mastered no, you? No, no. So how does that work? Um, you put out this massive hit. Well, you, I own, you write it. Yeah, I pretty you much wrote it, it by myself. Yeah. So there's another writer on it, but he um, was only there for the first day, and then it took me two years to write it. So I have most of the publishing. Two years. Two years to write it. Yeah. Okay, so you have most of the publishing. Most of the publishing. So there's, you know, a song is 200%, you have the masters 100%, and you have the publishing 100%, so I own most of the publishing. So the masters, the, the... The label owns the master. They own 100% of that. Yeah, which is really bad, and it's dangerous, and if any artists are listening... Man, they're making be money Be careful what song. you're signing. If you were about to explode and you're listening to this, know that you have the power, and I refuse... I will never make that kind of a deal again. I'll do... Hopefully, I'll be in a position where I can um, do a 50-50 share of my masters in the future. Of the master. And yeah. that's more fair then, because if they're putting yeah. the effort behind promoting it and launching it and radio and distribution, then that's a fair cut in your mind. Yeah. So if you're publishing it and you're, and you're writing it and you have another writer and you can get 50 to 70% there, you get 50% of the publishing, you keep 100 to 125%, right. then you're like, okay, that's good. I already feel very grateful for how much I get to get from fight song right so i i don't want to be greedy in it but it's more just like an energy thing of yeah of um i think the music i'm making now i'm not an unknown anymore so now if i went to a label with songs that i felt were fire like no no no, this is it i i don't have it yet i'm in mid writing them so mm. i don't have them finished yet to send to anyone to be like this i am is... ready but i can feel them bubbling really? they're in they're being made they're being created they're there like they're little seeds and they're like coming they're starting to form and when I'm done with those, I will feel that I have that power to go to someone and be like, this is going to be humongous. Do you want to get on board? This is how you can get on board. And mm. I'm going to listen back to this podcast and be like, <laughs> what was she talking about? <laughs> and be like, oh, does anyone want this? <laughs> when do you know that you've written a hit? Like when, when do you know when, when the recording is done, that you're like, this is it. And has there ever been a time where you're like, this is it, that it didn't turn out to be done? Yeah, all the time. I think you have to daily believe your hype. I think you have to, every time you end a session, you have to be like, that is the best song I've that ever That is written. a number you one You have to smash. believe it. You ha it's part of the creation process that actually songwriters talk about a lot. Like there's a meme where songwriters will get this joke. It's like two co-writers are just talking to each other obsessively. That was the best song we've ever written. That was the best song we've ever written. Oh my God, that was the best song. We, you, you do that every session. You're like, is this amazing? I think this is amazing. And then like an hour in, you're like, is this, I'm a terrible songwriter. This is the worst thing we've ever written. And then you end the day and you're like, that was, that was good. Yeah. And um, I don't think you know. You don't, you don't know. I mean, although that's not true. I knew with, with the songs that have really reached people, I knew. You're like, you felt something I emotionally. I felt them, yeah. Um, but there was a song that I really knew it about on my last album called Grace that I felt deeply like this is, meant to be something very healing and very big, and it wasn't. I mean, it, it was in a movie, and it mm -hmm. was listened to by whatever, 40 million people saying, so I, maybe that's it, but... Um, you thought it'd be bigger. I thought it'd be bigger, and I think maybe part of it was the thing that we talked about way earlier in the conversation, where it was a um, thing that was a gift, like mm -hmm. not having another humongous hit yeah. was a gift so that I could come back to who I am. Have you ever seen artists who put something out it does well, but not as big as they want in the first year, and then three years later, it pops. Yeah, is that a possibility for people? That's a good question. Have you ever question. seen that? We're like, oh, I wrote this song like seven years ago, and now it's got in this movie where people shamed it. Actually, I'm sure there are those stories. I don't know them firsthand, but yeah. have you heard of them? No, I'm curious. I'm sure. I think that that's something that 
is common. Maybe I, this thing could pop at some point again. It, I, I actually Never know. do believe that. I actually do believe that maybe that album will be revisited when my next album is a huge success. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to own it. Yeah. Um, but, um, you got to. I have to, yeah. Um, I think that um, there is definitely stories where, like, artists have, or writers have written a song and it's gotten passed over for years or put out by one artist and then another artist records it. Mm, like Whitney like, Houston oh, records it and all of a sudden it's, yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. How do you manage not doubting yourself on a daily basis? Like, how do you believe in yourself enough to continue to go forward when, when it doesn't always go your way? Do you have a process for helping <laughs> yourself overcome self-doubt? Oh my God. I'm like so in it right now. Especially as a mom and you're like, ah, oh, doing this wrong and this wrong and this isn't working. And I just did it this morning. I mean, I wake up every morning like lately. I'm really in it right now. I wake up every morning with like a dull level of doubt. I also really? think it's the collective and what mm-hmm. what we're feeling. So those of us who are really sensitive and also in a position of influence, we're feeling it more. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm feeling daily like I have to shift myself. Um, this morning I woke up just with like a dull level of like, Mm. Mm. Meh. And then I read something that would fill me up, and I did yoga, mm. and I meditated, and I did some Kapalabhati breathing, and I did some, you know, um, then I listened on the way here to something that would fill my soul. I mean, I did a lot of work. It took two hours and to get myself back to my light. Wow. So I think it's daily work for me. If you didn't do that work, where would you be? I'd be in... Uh, really different place or I'd be really really different position right now I'd probably be trying to impress you mm. I'd probably be exaggerating and like not admitting my vulnerability because I think that I have something to protect and um, I think that's that's when darkness gets a real hold of us when we think we have to start covering up and exaggerating mm. and like because then you can't be yourself but right now I feel so confident with like sharing any embarrassing thing with you yeah how do you maintain a daily time practice as a mom. And, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of moms out there that are like, I have no time to even give myself oh. 10 minutes of meditation or breathing. How are you able to manage that? Mm. Um, and what advice do you have to other moms on making sure they do a little bit of practice? Because I feel like if you don't mm. do any practice on a daily basis for yourself, yeah. you're gonna be empty. You know what, when I'm really deep in mom land and like not getting a break, and I don't have a nanny for my day, and I'm really grateful to be in a position where I have help, and I have a husband that's really supportive and co-parents beautifully, but when it's all me, and there's days when it's all me, um, I'll read a book with her, a meditation book with her, and we'll do deep breathing together. No way. Yeah, there's a little book called like Breathe Like a Bear, and then there's one, like, one called like Breathing Makes It Better, wow. and we do deep breaths, and I'll sit her on my lap, and I've done this multiple times when I'm overwhelmed and like feeling panicky back when I was still having postpartum, and I'd feeling a panic attack and she's on my lap, we would read a meditation book and I would start doing deep belly breaths of like expanding my diaphragm horizontally so that, you know, the prana can really flow and, and we do it together and I'd say, Violet, okay, the bear takes a deep breath. Can we take a deep breath? And she'd go, <sighs> and we do deep breathing, so. So integrating it with your child. Integrating it with your child, That's yeah. That's beautiful. If there was one lyric, one line in all the songs you've written that it represents the last year for you? What would that sentence be in any one of your songs? Oh my, what is this horrible question? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, have you first ever asked I, other artists this before? This is so tough. First thing that comes to mind of the last year you had, all the different ups and downs. Maybe something from Grace. 
what is it? I used to wear love like an army. I used to know nothing could harm me. Now fear got up into my head. I'm all in my head. Mm. And I need grace. I think I need grace mm. for myself, for what I went through, for what I'm going to go through next. And That's beautiful. <laughs> I think we all need that. Yeah. I think we all need grace. Because yeah. a lot of us put a pressure on ourselves every single day that it's unneeded pressure. Oh, my God. I know. We're Especially so hard moms. on ourselves. You guys are I machines know. of inspiration. Yeah, moms are awesome. Moms are awesome. Moms are awesome. To all it's, the moms listening, you guys are amazing. It's amazing. Uh, we, you've got a song out right now called Soldiers, which is really inspiring. They can go listen to it on Spotify. Yes. You have a channel on Spotify. I saw, I saw Fight Song had a, almost over a half a billion uh, downloads on Spotify. Have you seen that? Yeah, I didn't look at the latest. That's cool. It's like 520 million, I think. That's down. cool. Isn't that crazy to think? Yeah. Something you've created has yeah. that many downloads. Yeah, that's crazy. And people singing that song daily yeah i'm so grateful for it sometimes i forget to like really check in and half a billion i know it's that's wild it's crazy it's yeah. exciting yeah uh it is exciting people should go listen to <laughs> if you haven't heard fight song in a while go listen to that check out soldiers it's on your spotify page uh you also got this book which is a beautiful book called you belong and uh it's based on one of your songs as well i, I recommend you guys if you're a mom go get this and when you feel overwhelmed and stressed you can read this book to your child to your child yeah and work on some breathing as well that's right uh so get this book you belong in the last episode we talked about uh three truths i'm not sure if you remember what these were for you but i'm curious no. if you have, if, i'm curious if you have new three truths oh. I th- i'm pretty sure i asked you this but i'm gonna ha- give you a hypothetical oh i want to know what mine were a couple years ago we'll find out okay. afterwards yeah <laughs> But this is a hypothetical question, and you're at a different stage in your life right now, so these mm. might be different answers. But imagine it's your last day on earth many years from now. You're mm. as old as you want to be, and mm. you've accomplished every dream. You've impacted the world. You've got the mm. family you want. You've got your kids growing up, everything. But for whatever reason, you've got to turn the lights off and go to the next place wherever you go. Not in this world. And for whatever reason, hypothetically, you've got to take all of your music with you. Mm. Your book, your music, this interview, everything that you've put out, it's got to go with you to the next place. But you get to leave behind three things you know to be true from your life, three lessons that you would share with the world that we would all have access to. What would you say are those three truths for you? One, that you are divine. You come from someplace bigger. You're going to go back to someplace bigger. And I think this is all one. Um, Two, that everyone is divine, that you're connected to every other living thing on this planet, and that you are never separate and you are never alone, and that everything you do, everything you do impacts everyone else. Mm. And three, that that our, our biggest job, let me try to not gracefully say this first and stumble over it, I, our biggest responsibility with this gift of life is to answer that calling of what have you been gifted with to share the world and what would you give the world if you weren't afraid that it would be fail that would fail or be judged give that give that in the biggest possible way you can and don't compare yourself or don't compare that thing in you to anyone else's because mm. yours is unique and yours is special and we need exactly what you have to give mm. Yeah. 
Amen to that. Those are powerful. <laughs> we'll have to see what the last three ones are, but yeah. I, I want people to go listen to the previous episode oh, we did. Me too. We'll Let us know. We'll link it up. What the other ones We'll were. link it up so you can see that. Make okay. sure you get the book, You Belong. Really beautiful book. Uh, and listen to the song on repeat, Soldiers, and share with it's your powerful. friends. It's yeah, really it's powerful. Yeah, it's powerful for right now. Really inspiring. Um, I'm going to ask you, I've asked you your definition of greatness before, so I'm going to have people go back and listen to that one. But I want to ask you a final question before I do. I want to acknowledge you, Rachel, for being an incredible gift. I love this part. I'm really, <laughs> I'm just a fan of you as a human being. I'm really grateful for you. You've been a, a great friend over, I think, three years since we've known each other. Yeah. Even though we're busy and have things going on, I just feel really connected to you and I appreciate you. you as a human being. And I'm grateful for you for sharing these things because I think a lot of moms need to hear this and know that it's not easy and it's okay to give yourself grace. Yeah. So I really acknowledge you for constantly showing up and grateful you showed up here today and uh, shared everything. And hopefully we'll get you back on soon in the future when you do more fun things. But my final question is what is a question you wish more people would ask you that they don't ask you. What other songs have you written? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Where, where can we listen to the rest of your music? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, it's on Spotify. No, yeah. Um, maybe, I'm kind of kidding about that. I For think sure. um, maybe, who who are you really? What are you afraid of? And and yeah something about that gives me permission to be my real self like yeah. you asked me it yeah that whatever would trigger me to feel like i have permission to really be me mm -hmm. i don't know what that question yeah. exactly would be different versions of it no, i like that <laughs> yeah, being able to open up in yeah to be vulnerable and permission that i'm okay as i am and, and that you're okay as you are and what's the thing you're most proud of that people don't know about you the massive amount of work i do on myself to just understand and heal and grow and learn from my mistakes and just get better as a human being. Mm. Just constantly trying to, you know, bring more love and yeah. figure out the barriers to love. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thanks, I Rachel. love you, buddy. Oh my God, Appreciate it was so you. fun. Pod number two. The pod. <laughs> the pod. Yeah, the pod. That's right. <laughs> the pod. I'm so grateful for Rachel for coming on the show again, for opening up, for sharing so much wisdom, so many of her stories and lessons. And if you found this powerful and inspiring in any way, then make sure to share this with a friend, lewishouse.com slash 1028, or just copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this podcast and text this link to a friend right now that you think would be inspired by this story and inspiration. The best way to help yourself is to inspire people around you and make them better and lift them up. So share this with them. It's absolutely free. And if this is your first time here, click that subscribe button over on Apple Podcast for the School of Greatness. And make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how this inspired you or lifted you up. And if you want inspirational text messages from me every single week sent to your phone, then text the word podcast right now to 614-350-3960. Very grateful for Rachel. Make sure to go follow her over on social media. Tag her on social media to let her know that you're listening to this and what part of this story inspired you the most. And I want to leave you with this quote from singer-songwriter Meredith Brooks who said, Find your authentic voice, become vulnerable, and then put yourself out there. This is part of life, opening up, being vulnerable with your friends and loved ones and the people around you, creating more meaningful and deeper relationships and connections in this world. 
happens truly when you start to open up and become vulnerable and accept yourself. And if no one's told you lately, you are loved, my friend. You are worthy and you matter. And I'm so grateful for you. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Great.